How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? Doing fine, Eric. Really uh, didn't think much about that Cavs game today, so I, uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. And, and you know Just what? Just put it out of your mind. Put it out of my, you know what? I'm looking forward to Bucks basketball being back tomorrow because I have a sickness. I have a sickness in my heart. <laughs> 25 years, I can't stop. Um, Denver Nuggets coming to town. Uh, cheap tickets available, in fact. Uh, and and our, our good friends at SeatGeek, I guess, can help with that, right? Yes, and SeatGeek is sponsoring this episode of Locked on Bucks. As always, use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's L-O Bucks for Locked on Bucks, and you'll get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Um, Frank, I guess the news of the day is that I should. I was going to say we we have heard that Michael Beasley's injury is not serious, but we don't know that quite yet. We just know that Michael Beasley hyperextended his left knee and that he will miss the next three games and will be evaluated after that. That may mean he only misses those three games. That may mean he misses five games. That may mean seven games, ten games, the rest of the season. It, we don't really know, but we do know he'll miss the next three games, um, which seems seems like a relatively positive prognosis uh, just because, well, when we got to hear about Jabari Park in the next day, we heard that it was a tornado, and we haven't heard that with Michael Beasley. So that is a good thing, right? Yeah, that's a great thing. I mean, I, I mean, forget the Bucks and, and what they're trying to do as a team. I think you just have to be happy for Michael Beasley, right, because um, – you know the, what our fears were. Obviously, something really serious last night. Something that could have, you know, cost him this season. Potentially, could have prevented him from getting a, a contract this summer. Um, and obviously, that's that's a huge deal for these guys' livelihood. And um, you know, we, we talked last night about not just what Beasley has meant um, for this team on the court, but you know, I think by all accounts, has been a guy that has been a good teammate. Um, you know, maybe a bit of a quirky guy, but uh, generally seems very well liked, um, and uh, you know, you, you just sort of desire, you know, sort of immediately uh, determined to be a very serious injury, and you had the MRI, and um, so we'll see, right? And uh, we'll get here, you know, at least the rest of this week. We'll see how the Bucks cope without Beasley, and obviously without Jabari Parker, and um, I guess they have a weekend back to back, so presumably one another game without Chris Middleton as well. So. Um, I guess I guess we're gonna have to uh, see our our guy uh, uh, Mirza Toledovic uh, be put to the test here because they pretty much have no choice but to play him some minutes over the next few games. But um, you know, certainly in the big picture, you just hope that uh, Beasley is indeed going to be able to uh, resume playing at some point in the near future. And you know, I think for the Bucks' sake, um, you don't know exactly when that will be, but 
um, I think certainly dodging a bullet, mainly for Michael and and also for the Bucks if uh, if he can come back at some point in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing to me is that Beasley is not seriously injured, um, and like and like you said, there there's always concerns about the team and how is how is the team going to be affected by this and how is the team going to get through this and well, there's a human being that just avoided a, a very serious injury and you never want to see anyone have a, have a very serious injury. So it, it's good that, that he's not, that he's healthy ish, um, that he hasn't suffered a catastrophic injury. Um, that is a very good thing and always something that's good to hear. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, going on to kind of how that affects the team and, what what's going to happen with the bucks I, I think there there's some interesting stuff there um just because like you said there there's got to be some more minutes for Mirza Toledovic there's maybe some minutes for Axel Tupan and even going further like you said he misses these three games well the third game is a back to back and Chris Middleton has been sitting out back to back so uh, on that Saturday night there's really going to be a lot of minutes to fill cuz you're not going to have Beasley's minutes you're not going to have Middleton's minutes so you're going to have 50ish minutes to fill on Saturday night um as opposed to just 20 or so on Wednesday and Friday so um there's there's going to be a lot of question marks going forward and the Bucks are going to have to attempt to, to figure out what to do with this roster. And I guess the first kind of test for that will be tomorrow night or tonight, um, as this will come out on Wednesday, as the Bucks take on the Denver Nuggets. And like you said, Frank, there are a ton of good tickets for this game. A ton of good tickets for this game on SeatGeek. If you go to the app right now, it is green dots everywhere. It is. I'm trying to think of... a terrible analogy and i don't have one in my head right now maybe uh green apples on a tree like that's how many green green dots there are they are large uh they that's are ver- terrible they're that's terrible but uh, go ahead with it. They're, yeah. they're very dark green um and uh, i'm just gonna keep plowing along here um and they're there to be picked you all you have to do is just pick one off the tree they're all great deals um and they're there for you on SeatGeek. <laughs> i hate myself for this um but yeah you can you can check this will it. go down the this will go down as the worst SeatGeek library uh, in, in the history of podcasting and there have been about four billion SeatGeek libraries so Congratulations, Eric. But I think we just we just got to stick with it. Um, and yes, th- there are there are five dollar tickets in the upper deck uh, for this game. There's like thirty five dollar tickets, Road J, uh, along kind of the um, a baseline sort of you know side court. Um, so th- this is if this is one of those games. If you look at NBA basketball and you say, man. I really want to be able to go to an NBA game and not, you know, spend a ton of money. Hey, we, we got we got it. We got a game for you here that that would fit that bill. And um, the irony is there are many many seats where you will. Uh, and and I guess I, I, I mean, Seeky gives you the twenty dollar rebate with our promo code. I guess I guess you're gonna make money or something on these if you buy Seriously. a five dollar ticket. So um, so basically, you could buy tickets for yourself and four of your friends, and and basically end up paying no money after you get your CK rebate. So Frank, I can't um, even handle this. I'm looking at one right now in two twenty seven, which is about even with the three point line. 
um, behind the visitor's bench, 227, uh, row K, it looks like, for $51. Like, that's, that is such an insane deal. Like, that is a really good ticket. Like, you're between the two baskets, you're essentially paying nothing, and you're going to get to see an NBA basketball game that features Giannis Adetokounmpo, one of the most exciting basketball players in the world. And you know what I was thinking the other night, Frank? I did a whole mess of attendance shaming at the start of this season. And the attendance has been pretty damn good the last couple weeks, the last couple months. I There has not been a game where I've thought, man, there's not many people here. So, you know what? Kudos to Bucks fans. And maybe that, that just means we're getting more listeners and more people are hearing about SeatGeek and how they go out and search out the best deals for you. They figure out from the different websites what the best ticket deals are. And maybe we just have more listeners and more people aware of the great deals on SeatGeek. But the BC has not been empty-ish. Um, I don't even know if it's been below 70% capacity in the last two months. Like... Bucks fans are showing out, so kudos to all of you Bucks fans. Can you guess what the Bucks season uh, average home attendance is? Either either by total number or or by percentage capacity. Would you want to guess what it is? Give me eighty nine percent. Eighty two point five percent. Fifteen thousand. Really, I would have thought it was better than that. Yeah, fifteen thousand four four nine. Uh, they are fifth from the bottom in that but to be honest i think it was even worse at the beginning of the season oh it was um it's slightly higher than last year they were at 15166 last year i mean again i realize this is all like paid attendance so you know again i mean people who don't show up at all you know i I, I can't account for that interestingly in the first year uh of jason kidd in which they surprised everybody went to the playoffs 14907 so that was you know, clearly uh, a, a bad year. And then the year before that, the 13-14 season in which they won 15 games, they were last in the league in total attendance, 13,487. So that was, that was not great. Um, and it was actually surprising. I'm just going to keep going back just, just, just to see how far back. Yeah, let's go. 2012-13 season, Monte have it all. Monte have 15,035 uh, paid paid fans per game. That was uh, fourth worst in the league. And then 2012, 14718. That was fifth worst in the league. 2011, uh, eighth worst in the league. 15412. But basically, I guess kind of right around where it is now. Um, so I mean, it, it is it is interesting because you know you kind of go back here. 2010. That was the year of the fear of the deer run. 15108. It's kind of remarkable how. You know, other than the really terrible year, attendance has been like super steady and obviously pretty underwhelming. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to find the last season that the Bucks were above sixteen thousand, and I have not found it yet. I'm at two thousand eight. I'm just I'm just gonna keep drilling back, going back in the clock. Okay, <laughs> two thousand six, two thousand seven. They were at sixteen. 186 they were eighth worst in the league that year and that, so. that's what that's reds last year no red was there after that um well maybe red's last real year where he wasn't yeah. you know a, sh- a shell of a basketball player because that was still um, that was a playoff year right does that oh six oh seven was that um what was it 
Terry Stotts was around for Bogut's rookie year. That was 0506. Was that was that Stotts's second or the was that Stotts's last year? Maybe. Um, I'm 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 dating myself really quickly in my memory, <laughs> but um, but anyway, I mean, you can guess if it was a random year. You can just guess that the Bucks were bad that year. Uh, it was it was Stotts last year. Kostoyak taking over for the final oh, eighteen games. That was bad. Uh, no playoffs that year. Michael Red was the leader in win shares at 6.1 um, in 2006, 2007. 28 and 54 for the Milwaukee Bucks that year. Um, I'm trying to see. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm continuing to go back. I'm trying to see the last time the Bucks were, if they, if, if in this data, I think it goes back to 01. Yeah, in 02, so the year after the big run, average attendance 18178 97% capacity Milwaukee Milwaukee yeah and uh and then in 03 basically the year after the sort of the disaster that you know the, the they obviously just had that huge disaster and then the next year down to 16243 so it uh it got grim pretty quick um it, actually interesting in the 2000 2001 season only 16661 so it was really that 0102 season was the um, the year that it kind of just blew up? So the year, I guess, the year after the the. Uh, the I guess East that final. makes sense. Like you, yeah, you, you go to the sense. Eastern Conference Finals, you're going to sell a bunch of tickets for the next year. Yeah, and then Anthony Mason just crushed everyone's hopes and dreams. So, by the way, can I can I wait? I didn't I didn't even get in my 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 bad joke, which actually didn't even start as a I didn't wasn't even intending to make a joke, but I I tweeted this out um, that we were debating what to talk about and i said we should talk about how much we wish jabari had and i was going to say just beasley's knees Mm -hmm. and then i realized i wish jabari had the bees knees um because i mean you think about it i'm i mean i'm kidding making a bad joke but shit jabari parker only had the elasticity in his knee joints that michael beasley has imagine how much happier all of us would be Jabari Parker was just recovering from a hyperextended knee, but alas. Anyway, um, I can't believe I went out of my way to try to get that horrible pun into this podcast, but I just did. So <laughs> the good Let's news is, uh, after you've used this bees knees reference, and I made a terrible analogy to green apples on a tree for Seat Geek. Um, we won't have any listeners anymore, so we can just talk to each other, and this is going to be great. Uh, but as as I mentioned. It gives me a chance to go back to the analogy I made about and green apples on a tree, which doesn't make any sense, whatever. But that gives me a chance to let you guys know and remind you that for, for SeatGeek and getting our deal, all you have to do to get the $20 rebate on tickets is download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. And like Frank said, tickets are so freaking cheap for this game tomorrow that you're going to get money back if you decide to get one of those uh, very cheap tickets up on up on the upper level. So you will be getting paid to go to the Bucks game. Um, or you can get a really great seat on the lower level, like I mentioned, um, and... Yeah, that I don't. I, I mean, that just sounds like a great idea, especially on a Wednesday where there's probably not going to be a heck of a lot going on. Hopefully, it's not too snowy and you can actually get to the arena. Um, but yeah, we we will see on that. And 
I guess, Frank, going forward, looking at this Nuggets game, what are you thinking about, focused on? Um, I guess where's your head at, or what's your headspace? I don't, I don't know. It's just this is <sighs> this is just kind of a weird place because we we saw the Bucks play the way they did against the Cavaliers. It was not good. Um, none of us enjoyed it. Um, we recorded a, a very angry podcast last night, and now we we have to see the Bucks play again. And like you said at the start of the podcast, you're sick in the head as am I, and I'm. At, looking forward to it um but at, at the same time this is a it's a dangerous strange awful weird time for the bucks yeah i mean the the nuggets come in uh having blown out the the bulls so uh, you know again doing the the bucks a favor on that front in terms of uh beating a bulls team that obviously is still sort of treading water there in the the seventh spot um, the Pistons did come back and win, uh, their game against the Blazers tonight. So, you know, again, the Bucks, um, not getting any closer to the eighth spot where the Pistons are, um, at this point, but, um, yeah, I mean, Denver, obviously team we saw not so long ago. Um, I mean, Nik- Nikola Jokic was uh, tremendous. I mean, phenomenal, uh, all around in, in the Denver game, uh, or the game in Denver. Uh, I mean, his passing from the high post is I mean, it's Sabonis-like is the only it's thing I... It's gorgeous. Oh. I mean, the, the way that they, they move off ball and, um, you know, he just flings it around and uh, it's it's just so impressive. And he's a tremendous rebounder, um, has terrific touch, um, you know, stretching out to, to mid-range and he does shoot some threes and he's around 35% from three. Um, but, you know, just the kind of guy that I'm, I have to imagine is an absolute joy to play with. <laughs> if you're if you're a guard or a wing, um, having a big guy who can pass like that is tremendous. And it's it's obviously very interesting from them for them from as from a team construction standpoint, because, it you know, it does sort of I think change the way you think about constructing a team. You know, obviously the Bucks had some had to think about that a year ago with, you know, the, the point Giannis stuff. Um, and with the center, it's obviously it's even more extreme in terms of uniqueness that you can have a guy from the high post who can really initiate so much offense. So, um, we'll be interested to see what happens there. Um, you know, especially having a guy like Emmanuel Moutier, who's been pretty damn terrible, uh, <laughs> certainly super inefficient. I mean, all his <laughs> metrics are, are horrendous. Um, clearly a physically talented guy has obviously, te- you know, talent and athletic ability and all that um he's been hurt much of the season but certainly uh you know Manuel Moutier is, is not going to be an off-ball guy um and and so it does kind of make you wonder where where they're going to go with their backcourt especially with you know Jamal Murray being a promising young guy who has some combo ability maybe uh, and can shoot and and obviously Gary Harris is another guy that that has um you know had moments for them and, and is still young so um so it's an interesting team I mean realistically my hope for for this game is Giannis get back on track you know hopefully uh you can get a more up and down game uh the Nuggets do obviously you know tend to play at a faster pace uh so we saw a bit of that in the game in Denver um but but we'll obviously have to have to see kind of how this plays out um you know certainly the obvious thing we mentioned with Toledovich probably getting more minutes um could be some interesting matchups you know obviously Giannis typically is defending fours um we saw Jabari and Kenneth Farid go at it a fair bit in the second half of that game in Denver um if you put Tladovich on the floor obviously 
um, from a floor stretching perspective, um, that could be interesting as well. Um, potentially if, if you're going up against a guy like Fareed, drawing him out, although um, obviously with Mirza, you, you often see uh, smaller guys guarding him as well just because of his ability to stretch the floor. So, um, so yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. Um, can the Delhi mean reversion kick in at some point? Will Delhi <laughs> be better than a 10% shooter at some point? That would be nice. Um, I, I did feel a little bad uh, retweeting uh, my friend Justin Johnson's uh little video clip he made of Delhi the tank commander um you can check out uh my twitter feed from earlier today uh justin's like a video guy that's like what he does for a living and uh <laughs> he he i think it's a clip from um a james bond movie i think i think so uh we're involving a tank chasing a car and um there's a metaphorical meaning so check it out there's some pretty damn good editing that Justin did in that one. So shout out to Justin. I know he's a podcast listener as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so hopefully Delhi can, can be not terrible. And, uh, if he is, you know what, Hey, we'll just look at those, the, the lottery standings and we'll try to find a silver lining there. Right. <laughs> I, I think that's what we'll, we would have to do. Yes. Um, I, I guess kind of the interesting thing here with this game is you mentioned Jabari having that monster second half and, if you remember the the Bucks Nuggets game the first time, Bucks gave up a thirty nine to twenty two second quarter, um, going to the half trailing by seventeen, and then Jabari kind of just took over and decided that you know what I'm going to do whatever I want to Kenneth Fareed, and he was John at him, and uh, it was generally a fun time. But that that's twenty seven points for Jabari, twenty three I think in the second half. And you're going to miss out on that. Then Beasley, eight points and three rebounds in 14 minutes. You're going to miss out on that. Um, so there's a lot of production that, that you have to try to find there. And in that game, that was that was a, a positive John Henson game. 31 minutes for John Henson in the starting lineup, 16 points, five rebounds, four blocks. Uh, so I, I guess the, kind of the other stuff I'll be watching is, one, how do you try to get that production that Jabari or uh, Beasley would have been getting for you for the last two months or whatever it may be. Um, so you you kind of have to find a way to replace that. And obviously I think both of us feel that spacing the floor and shooting some threes may help do some of that, but um, that, there's no guarantee there. And then I, I guess seeing Thon in this game can... Let, let's, see, let's see a Thon pick and pop in the first half. Just give me one. That would be ideal. One. Yes, he did because he did that in the Denver game too. He like basically, I think, yeah. got early fouls. Was you know basically non-factor early, and then hit what was it two or three threes in, two threes. in the third quarter when they were coming back. Yeah, so interesting. No, I, I I totally agree, and and I think that's kind of what I'm watching for is uh, how much does Maker play? He only played nine minutes against the Cavs. Does he play more than that? Um, and then on top of that, the, the Brogdon Daly stuff is, is Brogdon going to start getting more minutes? Do we see, uh, I mean, we're going to have to see a new starting lineup technically because Beasley got hurt. Um, is it just Middleton? How does Middleton fit into all this? I, I don't know. The, there is a, a lot of flux with this Bucks team right now, and I don't really know how things get worked out. I don't know what direction they go in. <laughs> I don't know how to how they try to put together a, a team for 48 minutes um, going forward, for the, uh, certainly for these next three games, and then especially on Saturday when they're not going to have middle. Uh, 
I shouldn't say they're not going to, but we assume they're not going to have Middleton as well. So um, it's going to be a couple, couple very interesting days for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, anything else in that Denver matchup? Is maybe Thon someone that could give Jokic a little bit more trouble, or will Jokic just put him under the rim? Or what do you think there? Well, Jokic could definitely put him under the rim. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of those things. Jokic going to the post, as good as he is there, um, it might almost be preferable to him just surveying the court from from the high post and passing. Um, so it's it's I don't I don't know I don't know if it's even a negative if he's going in the post and trying to be more of a scorer. Um, he struggled mightily in the first three games after the All Star break. He only averaged less than six points per game, which was kind of crazy for a guy that was putting up. You know, I think in January he was like a twenty plus ten plus five assist guy um or more so he was just putting up silly stats in the month of january going into february and then um for some reason that coming out of the all-star break just seemed um you know he was getting doubled for the first time some questions about whether he was getting fatigued he said um seemed like first we were looking at this before the podcast seemed like he admitted to being a bit tired after the all-star break and then um recent more recently said he wasn't tired so uh i guess we'll see obviously this will be an interesting test considering he's coming off uh, back-to-back. He did play very well against the Bulls, um, had another triple-double. I think that's his third or fourth of the season. So Jokic, um, more triple-doubles than Giannis, who um, doesn't get triple-doubles anymore. Jokic um, had one against the Bucks as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did. Um, so we'll see if, uh, I, I, certainly if the Bucks want to win this game, they will have to hope that Jokic is a very tired man coming off the back-to-back. Um, but, uh, but obviously we'll see. And um, I think the Bucks. What I wanted to say, the Bucks had two fast break points against. Yeah, two fast break points all game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, only eight turnovers. That's probably the biggest reason that they were able to hang in the game. That and the fact that they shot a bunch of threes. They were eleven out of twenty-nine. Yeah. Which you know, when you attempt more and make more threes than the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, that's big because that's a team that relies heavily on the three. And the Bucks were eleven out of twenty nine compared to ten out of twenty seven for Cleveland. That's something I would I would stand and applaud for. Like, if you just literally told me those stats, they shot more threes than the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh my gosh, that is a major win. Like, I that that's just to think about where they were at the start of the season as far as shooting threes went, um, and where the key where the Cavs have been for, I mean anytime LeBron's around like that's just insane to think that in a game they actually shot more threes than the Cavs yeah so I think if if the Bucks shoot a bunch of threes and Giannis becomes more like regular Giannis um then you'd certainly like like their odds in this game and and obviously if if you know I think the interesting thing is four out of set sorry 11 out of 29 from three and Toledovich only played nine minutes he was one out of two so Oh, um, we can jack those numbers up even higher if we get yeah. Mirza in there. Well, shout out to Brogdon. He was three out of six in 31 minutes. Um, I was tweeting during the game that I was happy to see him looking a bit more willing to, to jack up threes. That's yes. been something we've kind of complained a fair bit about this year. Um, averaging only 2.4 attempts per 25 in 20, almost six minutes per game. So, um, you know, he's a guy who's shooting 42%, which is great, but uh, he just hasn't taken that many um, in terms of volume, and, and obviously, uh, you'd happily add some more volume, even if it meant that three point percentage maybe going down a little bit, um, just from a trade off perspective. So, um, so yeah, but we'll be an interesting game to watch. Um, a pretty fun Denver team. So, uh, if you go out and get those those dirt cheap tickets, uh, 
hopefully you'll get uh, at least an entertaining game of basketball. Um, and one thing I wanted to touch on before uh, we leave, um, Sean Devaney had that uh, column today that got tweeted around. You tweeted it. Um, mm-hmm. A number of people did as well. Um, and, it, and it was basically a story about Dwayne Wade possibly moving on from the Bulls after this season, even though he's, I guess, what, he's got one more year left on his contract. Um, and it, is it a player? I forget. Is it, does he have a player option or something like that? I, I can't remember what it was. But Oh, um, I don't remember. I honestly, I, mean, I saw that the Bucks were mentioned with Wade, and I think I just kind of like blacked out. You just threw up in your mouth a little bit? Yeah. Um, so, so in this, con- I, when I saw the, uh, the headline, I was like, oh God, what, what's going on? But <laughs> basically it was a little, I mean, oh God. it was, it was, I think it was mostly a, um, a misleading sort of, not, not that the, not that Sean's article was misleading, but just sort of the way it was sort of pegged. Like if you just heard, oh, Dwayne Wade to the Bucks, here's a story about it. Like yeah. you would, you'd get more worried than you probably need to be. It was basically rehashing where the Bucks were last summer, which was that basically was saying Wade might want to leave because you know screw the screw the Bulls, and then it just sort of rehashed <laughs> that yes, the Bucks met with him last summer, and it yes. wasn't saying the Bucks really want Dwayne Wade or whatever. Um, and it mentioned Denver as well, which which met with him last year as well. And I mean, look, Mark Lazary would be open to dinner with Dwayne Wade again. Is essentially what yeah, what I mean, was said, right? Like, why, I mean, why not? You, I, I'll take that. Yeah, dinner. I mean, you got if if you invite Dwayne Wade, you got an outside chance of Gabrielle Union showing up. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's probably going to be an enjoyable evening um, for you eating dinner, right? So you, <laughs> you can't argue with that. But uh, but yeah, so a, a, a sort of random Dwayne Wade to Milwaukee suggestion. Um, maybe I'm being optimistic, but. I mean, I want zero part of Dwayne Wade. Uh, that scared me this summer when that was sort of brought out. And I do not need Dwayne Wade, you know, supposedly teaching Giannis how to be a superstar, or whatever the hell the theory would be on that. Um, you Just know, wait. Wade, so you're saying that doesn't work like osmosis doesn't work? Because I was under the belief that Jason Kidd, an all-time great point guard, could just shoot his passing skills into another player like mcw like wasn't that supposed to work with him or who else was was that all supposed to work with because that's just how it works right great players can just osmosis it over i think i think mcw may be getting actively worse uh without jason kidd so so i don't know wow Uh, wow he is having his worst season as a pro he just seems to be getting worse and worse. He's shooting twenty percent from three this year, so, um, so, so, so I don't know what that means, but, um, but I mean, and, you know, and Wade's putting up totally solid numbers, you know, overall nineteen yeah. points. You know, he's got a PR of close to twenty. I mean, you know, superficially, I mean, there's nothing, you know, you look at Dwayne Wade and so, oh, he's he's terrible or anything like that. But I just no, I don't need Dwayne Wade in in the Bucks universe i don't need Dwayne wade you know you know he's not he's not a floor spacer he needs the ball he's going to be gone in a year anyway like what what are you you know what are you accomplishing other than maybe getting a few more marquette alumni to to buy tickets you know and and, you know nothing against marquette alumni of course but uh i'm i'm not that interested in uh in in Dwayne wade just for the for the sake of of the novelty of it so um, so the, yeah, that not a big deal. It was also interesting. Sean also mentioned it had this line about um, the Bucks expecting Greg Monroe to opt in, but you actually, which which surprised me, right? Because 
I think we've generally been hearing, oh, Monroe is likely to opt out, or that sort of seems to be um, what a lot of people are sort of operating under the assumption of. Um, but you actually tweeted with Sean, right? You kind of tried to clarify yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. Um, the original line was the Bucks expect Monroe to opt in, but a solid season off the bench could change that. Um, and the way that it was phrased made it seem like that solid season off the bench was not currently happening, if that makes sense. Like, I, the way I read it was like, wait, I thought he's having a solid season off the bench. Shouldn't they be expecting him to opt out now that it has occurred? Um, so I, I just wanted to clarify that with Sean. And uh, he said that essentially the Bucks were expecting him to opt in all year, but he's had a good year off the bench, so that could change, might opt out now. Um, so that I think that the way it was phrased was not how we've all been thinking about it, but his clarification I think would – would kind of suggest what we've been thinking. And I think Zach Lowe mentioned it in his trade deadline primer that they were expecting uh, Monroe to opt out. And, and I think Sean would probably agree with that sentiment as well. Um, or at least that's the way it, it felt when uh, that's what I got from his clarification um, when I asked. So um, that, that would be the way that I would take it. I would say that that line was probably more interesting to me than the Wade stuff again, because I just blacked out when I heard it and wanted nothing to do with it and just wanted to ignore that it even existed. Um, but it, it does sound like kind of the same thing. And, and like we've talked about here before, maybe, maybe opting in isn't, isn't the worst play for Monroe. Who knows how much value is out there for bigs, but he does obviously have to kind of, figure out what he values does he value a longer term contract even if it's going to be for less money in that first year than he would make with the bucks this up or this next year um are the bucks a team that are interested in extending greg monroe if he would opt out now because they don't have jerry parker that's something we've talked about as well so um i don't know i, I think it monroe will be interesting and strangely enough it felt like this was the year where the greg monroe i don't know cloud was gonna leave from the bucks um and it, it does not appear to be that way I, I think that cloud will stay um and the bucks will kind of try to figure out what he's gonna do and then once he figures out if he wants to opt in or out and if he decides to opt out if the bucks want to try to pursue him again I don't, I don't know if that's something they're interested in i think a lot of fans would not be particularly excited about that but Maybe there are some fans that would like it. He's he's improved on the defensive end. He's still been himself offensively uh, and maybe been a little bit more willing to pass. So uh, that'll be something that we'll have to kind of keep an eye on going forward. There there will always be something to talk about with the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I've found that to be true as we've recorded this podcast daily for, what are we at now, six, seven, eight months, something like that. So oh, That's actually weird. It's weird to think about. I mean, we're at episode 145 now or something like that. Crazy. So. Um, that is pretty crazy. I, I I will say this about the the Monroe thing. It, it's so interesting because I I don't know what either side wants at this point. Like I can't really like I can I feel like it's it's a maybe sixty forty thing. Like and I don't know which way it goes. Right. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll I, I was like, just hoping that you're gonna tell me which way it goes. But yeah, I agree. I I really don't know. Like I'm not gonna say it's fifty fifty because I'm I I'm guessing both sides there's a do have an this. opinion, but. I don't know what that is. Um, and I think you can make the argument on both ways. You can make the argument of Greg Monroe is, you know, not the way we want to play and 
blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. And, you know, fun. And, oh, yeah, John Henson's still around. Okay, we can play him too. Uh, you, you know, there's there's that sort of side of things. But then there's also sort of the side of, you know, damn, you don't have that many good players. And Greg Monroe <laughs> is probably your second best player right now. Um, yeah. yeah. So what are you trying to do with that? You know, like, we're, mm-hmm. we're what, what, okay, like, um, so it's, it's definitely, uh, it, it's an interesting thing, I think for both sides. And, um, I imagine with Monroe, you know, a lot of it probably comes down to obviously his agent, David Falk is going to canvas <laughs> informally canvas the league, let's say, uh, before his, his opt-in decision, um, in late June and, and try to figure out what kind of market there may be for him. And, you know, spoiler alert, it's not going to be for the $18 million, uh, per year that that he's owed next year, um, there just isn't as much cap space. We've talked about um, the uh, let's say buyer's remorse that's been around on a lot of the big man contracts that have happened, and there just aren't teams. I don't think that are just really going to be in the market to give Greg Monroe, you know, fifty million dollars over three years or whatever it might be. Um, and so that I think that's see, an I'm, I'm still not sure. I, I feel yeah. I feel like there could be a. A three for forty-five out there somewhere. I don't know who don't. Yeah, there, there could. I mean, it's just it, it. I would just don't know. I mean, is it going to be a um, a team that is going to be appealing? Right. I mean, Correct. I don't. I don't know what Sacramento what what their uh, cap situation is. But if Sacramento <laughs> comes, <laughs> when someone when someone asked me today, like, oh well, who's going to sign him to this deal? I I made sure I found the Vladi Divac gif and put it on there because. Yeah, it could be the Kangs, but again, yeah. like you said, is that is that compelling to Greg Monroe? Is that right. somewhere where he would actually want to go? Like he's right. he's not stupid. David Falk isn't stupid. They they understand what going to the Sacramento Kings means. Um, so yeah, that, that's a serious life decision. Yeah, and I think the I think the thing with Greg is, I mean, we obviously are not bullish on a playoff run at this at this point. Um, but obviously it's still possible, right? I mean, they, if, if they could ever get <laughs> pull their act together, they could certainly um, make the playoffs this season. And I think if that did happen, I mean, that would be the first time in Greg Monroe's career that he's made the playoffs. And that was the goal in, in moving to Milwaukee in the first place to go to a team that was on the rise that could give him a chance to play in the playoffs. And so I think if, if it happened, um, I think the odds of him wanting to stay, I think probably go up significantly if he feels optimistic about this team moving forward but you know again if if sort of the wheels sort of continue to wobble and you know if they come off uh down the stretch then uh i think you know you'd have to kind of sit back and say mm, greg monroe may sort of want to just write off these last couple of years and say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna try to have a shot someplace else um which probably means that the bucks will then make the playoffs the following year just because mm. greg monroe seems snake bit in, in terms of making the playoffs that dude but, man yeah uh, but but yeah, I mean, this is the this is the big swing swing question in the Bucks offseason um, is what Greg Monroe decides to do, and then depending on what Greg Monroe decides to do, what the Bucks decide to do. So we'll be talking about it a lot. We ha- we have talked about it a lot, and we will continue to talk about it a lot. That's it for us for today. Um, hopefully, you're ready to go for this Nuggets game tonight, and hopefully, you've thought about all these other topics that we've touched on. And like we've mentioned, you can get some great tickets for this game at SeatGeek. 
And all you have to do is use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S to get a $20 rebate off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's going to be it for us today. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you after the game.